0: Good morning. Good morning and welcome to our memorial service for Brother Jerry Vector. On behalf of the Vector family, I want to thank you for your love and your support and for being here today. And there has just been an outpouring of love and support for them all morning long and throughout the week. And I know that uh, there is uh, sadness and there is sorrow. We're going to miss Uh, jerry very much Uh, we've been here uh, my wife and i and my family for about two and a half years here in lafayette and uh, our very first meal uh, as i was filling the pulpit uh, back in november of 2020 my very first our very first meal as a family um, having uh, preached here at berean was at the home of jerry and diane vector and uh, we had a great time together And uh, that just began to knit our hearts together. And uh, we have been blessed uh, to uh, have known uh, the Vectors, to have known Jerry for the last two and a half, almost three years now. And uh, we're just so thankful for his testimony, uh, for the legacy that he has left, for his influence uh, on so many lives. And I think that has been so evident throughout the week. And again, we thank you, and on behalf of the family, Uh, We appreciate uh, your love and support uh, so very much uh, for Diane and for the entire family. Jerry Dean Vegter, age 76, of Lafayette, Indiana, passed away on December 8, 2023. He was born on November 18, 1947, in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, to the late Henry and Violet Vegter. Jerry was a loving, selfless, and giving husband, father, and friend who lived a life dedicated to serving the Lord and others. His spiritual journey began in his early teens when he attended a week at Camp Shatek in northern Wisconsin. In one of the evening services, the Holy Spirit was working within me, Jerry writes. At the invitation, I hung on to the chair in front of me and refused to go forward. I knew that I should, but for whatever reason, I stayed put. A counselor must have seen my white knuckles during the invitation because... As I was walking through the door, she asked me if I would like to accept the Lord as my Savior. The foot of a tree became my altar as I prayed and asked the Lord to be my Savior. That moment changed my eternity. Praise the Lord for that. Jerry graduated from high school in 1965 in Yale, South Dakota, and went on to attend Maranatha Baptist University, MBU, graduating in 1970. Throughout his career, Jerry served in various roles, demonstrating his unwavering commitment to serving the Lord and providing for his family. He planted two churches in Wisconsin, in the cities of Mantowoc in Horicon. He served as a high school teacher in Miami, Florida, a pastor in North Platte, Nebraska, a youth pastor in Casper, Wyoming, and an elementary teacher in both Lakeland, Florida and Watertown, Wisconsin. Jerry also had experience as a self-employed painter, truck driver, mobile home hauler working for his brother Bill, groundskeeper at MBU, custodian with the Watertown School District in Wisconsin, and bus driver here locally with Lafayette Limo. Jerry was a gifted musician whose joyful music encouraged all who heard him play his saxophone and harmonica or sing with his wife and sons. In addition to being a skilled performer, Jerry taught himself the fundamentals of music composition and over the course of the last 25 years of his life, wrote over 178 gospel songs, many of which are on display there in a binder uh, next to his saxophone. And of course, his passion for basketball was matched only by his sense of humor and his uncanny ability to always forget or butcher the punchline of his favorite jokes. (laughs) Jerry is survived by his beloved wife, Diane Vector, his sons, Jeremy and Jonathan Vector, his siblings, Diana Markham, Linda Woodring, John Vector, Kathy Dean, Susan Owens, Bill Vector, Carol Hopkins, Judy Cheerling, Karen Decker, and Sharon Peters, and seven grandchildren and two great-grandchildren. Jerry Dean Vector will be deeply missed by all who knew and loved him. His legacy of love, selflessness, and dedication will continue to impact generations to come. For blessed is a person who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments, for he will never be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. Psalm 112, verses 1 and 6. Shall we pray? And after prayer... Jerry's brother-in-law, Doug Lowry, will come and lead us in a congregational song. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the life and the testimony of Brother Jerry Vector. Lord, we will miss him greatly, but Lord, we know that we will not miss him forever. For one day, we will join with him. All those who know Christ as their Savior will join with him in that heavenly choir, singing praise to your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for saving Jerry for bringing him, Lord, to yourself and then, Lord, for your strength as he looked to you each and every day of his life from that moment that you brought him into a personal relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ, as Jerry confessed his sin and turned to you in saving faith, trusting in your death, burial, and the resurrection, Lord, from that time forward, Jerry lived a life, not of perfection, but Lord, one of commitment and love for you and service for you. Lord, we, we love him, we will miss him, but Lord, we, are thank, we thank you so much for your work in his life and for his testimony, for his wife, Diane, and his commitment to 54 years of marriage, to his commitment to his family, to his boys, to his siblings, to his entire family, Lord, we thank you for the love and support of so many here today. Thank you for your grace, your comfort, your peace that you have shown Diane and Jeremy and John and the whole family, Lord, throughout this past week. Lord, we pray that you'll continue to minister to them in a very special way. pray that you'll be with Diane and just draw her close to you. Thank you for Doug and Donna and their time that they have spent this week and just coming alongside and being such a help and encouragement to her. Lord, we pray you'll bless this service. May you be glorified in it. And, Lord, again, we thank you for Jerry's life and testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning. I want to thank all of you for coming. Uh, I am Doug Lowry. Don is Di- Diane's brother, uh, younger brother, and it's just been a joy to be with her this week. We arrived on Friday, on uh, Saturday and uh, leaving after the service this morning, but it's just been a joy to be with her this week and to uh, just to be blessed by my sister. I, I love her very much, and thanks, I want to thank Jeremy for all the work he's done. Uh, many of you saw the slides as, as you were coming in, and he put all that together, and he's been working very, very diligently on that, and thank him, thank him for that very much. The song we're going to sing is page 383. If you want to turn it, the words will be on the screen as well. But uh, I want to just tell you about the, the, the song very briefly. Jerry and Diane loved singing with their boys as they grew up, a very, very musical family. And uh, they, they sang during family devotions, in the car, at nursing homes, etc. The Solid Rock was the very first hymn that they sang as a family. They memorized the words and uh, sang it in churches and every, every place. We loved singing together and had opportunities once at uh Wisconsin Youth Conclave uh, sang a song at Jeremy's MBU uh, Senior Voice Recital. Every time through the years when we sang this song we would look at each other and smile a treasured memory. So uh, it's just a song that's a family song of theirs and so let's remain seated as we sing it please. Jerry have so many friends around the country, it's uh, amazing. Many of the United states where they've lived and ministered. When they lived in Watertown, they were campus pastors, uh, campus parents, excuse me, uh, mom and dad to Maranatha students. And one of those was Emily. And uh, Emily and her husband have driven down from the Veroka uh, La Crosse area to be here. And uh, Emily is a, like a, a, a campus daughter. And uh, she is going to come and give a tribute. Emily, God bless you.
2: It's an honor and privilege to be able to share today. Anyone who knows our family well at all has heard about our love for our adopted family, Jerry and Diane Vector, who we fondly refer to as AD, Adopted Dad, and YAM, Y-A-M, for your adopted mom. They've been a huge part of our lives since my college years at Maranatha in 2008. On a whim, some friends and I applied for the Adopt-A-Student program through our college church. I was blessed through God's sovereignty to be paired up with AD and YAM. I remember seeing A.D. for one of the first times playing a saxophone in the church orchestra. We had in common a love for music. Many of the other students in the Adopt-A-Student program got together with their adopted families once or maybe twice. Many lost touch after freshman year, but not A.D. and E.M. They took their role as adopted parents quite seriously and had me over to their home for meals, games, etc. They sent me notes of encouragement through those stressful college days and always had Christmas or other holiday treats. Even from the start, they treated me as their own, and I felt loved and welcome in their home. They received their nicknames of AD&EM from the way they would sign off on the notes and emails they would send me, and it stuck through all these years. My children now fondly refer to them as AD&EM as well. AD&EM were such an encouragement to Lee and I through our early dating days, my senior year of college. Our first dates were at their home, and they invited Lee to stay there with them when he would travel to Watertown to visit me. He had such a love for farm and country life and hit it off with Lee from the very start, Lee Farms. Their ministry in our lives didn't end when I graduated from Maranatha. They continued to travel out to see us at least a couple times a year. We were also able to travel back to see them as well. When they moved to Indiana, we were afraid we might not see them as much, but they continued to visit, for which we were very thankful. Despite the distance, they keep in touch with us frequently by phone, text, and truly take an interest in our lives. Even the day before his home going, A.D. had texted me to let me know he was praying for me.
3: A.D. loved to visit the farm and volunteered to help me with so many different projects he noticed needed to be done. He especially loved to ride the tractors whenever there was that to be done. He just... Couldn't wait to hop on the tractor. I think they even extended a couple of stays because there was tractor work to be done the next day. <laughs> Everywhere I look around the farm, I notice projects that he's helped me with. Uh, we worked so many different things together. I love that time. He would constantly, we'd, we'd tell them when they'd come, just come for a visit, but uh, we don't need to do any work while you're here, but... Anyone who knows A.D. knows that's not how he operates. He loved, loves to keep busy and minister to others whenever he can. He continued doing so up until the day the Lord took him home. Once we started our family, A.D. loved spending time with our children. He would spend hours entertaining them, building tents in the living room, exploring outside, roughhousing with them, playing a saxophone or harmonica for them. Day by Day was the most often requested song by by my children has also happened to be one of AD's favorites and one of their wedding songs. They all absolutely adore him and talk about their AD and Yam on a daily basis, often asking when they can visit next or when we can go see them. We just purchased a new vehicle a couple weeks ago, a bigger vehicle with our new child coming in. The first thing our kids would tell people when they would, say about our new vehicle, they said, now AD and Yam can ride with us in our vehicle. AD and Yam made it special points to come visit when they knew that we needed the extra help or encouragement. Uh, During tough points of Emily's pregnancy, while my dad was having cancer uh, surgery and treatments this last summer and during busy harvest times and many other times, they always made sure to come out and meet the new additions to the family as well. Yam would laden meals and help in the house, and A.D. would come and entertain the kids and work with me on different projects. We've been thankful for their godly example and wisdom and counsel through some of the tough times in our lives. So many phrases and things we have around our household are from A.D. and Yam as well, some of the inside jokes. We never get tired of hearing A.D.'s many stories, and he was so gifted at telling and writing. These were some of our favorite, favorite things.
2: We have so many memories and things that remind us of A.D. Um, Some of my favorite things, um, his love for cowboy boots and country life, his love for a good cup of coffee and morning devotions every day. Um, When we were first starting to date, I was telling A.D. and Yam about Lee. And I said to A.D., he's really quiet, um, about Lee, and A.D. replied, but does he listen well? Then he's a keeper, (laughs) and he was right. How he he would call me his city girl turned country and encourage me to write a book about farm life life. Um, We always laughed when he would get riled up about current events or other happenings, and Yem would pat his arm and say, now calm down, honey, calm down. (laughs) A.D. loved to banter with Uncle Doug over the happenings of, their early, of his early days of dating Yam, and Uncle Doug would just jokingly reply, let it go, Jerry, let it go. A.D. <laughs> taught the kids to pretend to be auctioneers, which they got a great kick out of shouting, sold American. He also demonstrated the right way for the kids to moo like cows. Even our baby Nathan has taken this to heart, and we hear it on a daily basis. I believe this is on video. If anyone's interested in learning the proper way to move, I'm not going to demonstrate that.
3: We love to see and hear about his love for the large Vector family, and it felt as though we were able to get to know them and love them, even though there's many we have not met. My kids oftentimes would request to see the snowball fight video from Jacob's wedding and thoroughly enjoy that. Ad and Yams' life and marriage have been such a role model for us. Their marriage is a picture of a godly marriage, and their lives together in service for the Lord is such a wonderful example. They both truly have a heart for the Lord and for people. We are devastated by Ad's sudden homegoing. Words cannot describe how much we will miss Ad and how much we think of him and see reminders of him in our daily lives. We are thankful that he is with the Lord, that he loves so dearly, and thankful for the hope we have in the Lord that we will see him again in heaven.
2: We will now hear a song A.D. and Yim are going to sing. This is a song her brother Doug wrote called His Wings of Love.
1: last few years Jerry has not been singing special music and I know how much Diane loved singing with Jerry and uh, the four of us my wife and I would always sing with Diane and Jerry every time we were together and that's precious memories of ours again I want to thank all of you for coming it's just a, a joy to see some familiar faces from various states and relatives that I haven't met yet and just thank you for coming My joy and privilege today is to honor my dear brother-in-law, Jerry Vector. I will be sharing his wonderful personal traits and his amazing Christian testimony. But first, I need to go back in time to when I first met Jerry and his his large family, very, very large family. (laughs) God has many attributes, but the divine attribute I want to highlight is God's providence, simply defined God's providence is how he orchestrates events and circumstances in our lives to bring about his perfect will. After completing my freshman year at Bob Jones University in Greenville, South Carolina, I came home for the summer of 1967. Yes, 1967, a long time ago. My parents had come down to Bible conference in the spring to be with Diane and me and heard some Bible preaching, teaching that they were greatly missing in our very liberal Protestant church. You can imagine my thrill when they told me to help them find a Bible preaching church where they had just moved to Delavan, Wisconsin, near Madison. One summer, one early summer night, I just happened, I just happened, to drive by East Delavan Baptist Church, and I noticed the lights were on late at night. I went in and two ladies were cleaning the church, Vivian Johnson and Vi Vector. We immediately started attending that church and were thrilled to be in a strong, Bible-centered church. Mom and Dad and I were invited to Sunday dinner at the Vectors, along with other families. And we were amazed at how Vi could cook for a family of 13 plus other families at the same time. So I got to meet Jerry and his amazing family before Diane did. The reason for that is that Diane had been led to be on a summer ministry team to Scotland so she didn't attend services until just before going back to college. After first meeting Jerry and his two sisters and eight, his two brothers and eight sisters, Diane asked our mom, "What was the name, again, of that large family with all the kids and that funny last name?" <laughs> Jerry had a spark of interest right away for Diane, but that wasn't mutual at first. In the summer of 1968, Diane was home all summer. And Jerry asked her if she would help him with his ministry to the teens at church. They found out quickly that they both had so many things in common. A love for the Lord, a love for their families, serving Christ in the local church, and a love for good Christian music. It didn't take long for that true love to be planted in their hearts for one another. Now do you see why I started off with the providence of God? who orchestrated that I stopped that early summer night at East Elvin Baptist Church? If that hadn't happened, it's very possible that they would have never met. I'm not certainly taking any credit for this divine appointment. <laughs> Please, don't, don't, I'm not patting myself on the back, because God deserves all the glory. At the end of that summer, Diane wanted to march with her class, so she stayed home first semester, and Jerry went back to Maranatha. Time doesn't permit the details of when and how Jerry proposed, but they were the first couple to be married in Burkhart Hall at Maranatha Baptist Bible College on July 19th, 1969. Maranatha would play a significant part in their lives as Jeremy and Johnny would also attend college there and Jeremy would serve on the faculty several years. And Jerry and Diane both had uh, part-time staff jobs there at the college. Our first ministry, was planning a church in Queens, New York City. Jerry and Diane came to visit us once with, there in the city, and the, and the cousins had a wonderful time together. Our vacations every year took us to my parents' farm in Michigan, and Jerry and Diane and their boys often joined us. The Lord then led us to Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, to Calvary Baptist Church. And a great part, a great perk of that ministry was that it was only 28 miles away from Watertown, where Jerry and Diane lived with Jeremy and Johnny. Our two families got together often during those years, and they were precious times of wonderful memories. To list Jerry's character qualities would be quite an endeavor because there are so many. Time will allow me to just focus for a few of his most prominent qualities. A very prominent character trait was Jerry's work ethic, coupled with how good he was with saving money. He didn't just work hard on his jobs for his secular bosses, but he was always doing things for others, neighbors, friends, relatives, people at church. One of Jerry's hardest and most dangerous jobs was towing mobile homes to trailer parks all over Florida for his younger brother, Bill. During those, there's many stories about that we could tell. During those years, they rented their house in Watertown, Wisconsin, to Christian families, while living rent-free in a trailer, a small little trailer, parked by his parents in Winter Haven, Florida. He wisely sent double mortgage payments in for several years, paying down on the principal. His diligence and wise stewardship of money made it possible for them to move to Lafayette mortgage-free. If you have ever seen their garage, who's seen their garage? Okay. I lost my place. If you've ever seen their garage, you saw all of his tools. And believe me, he knew how to use all of them. He rarely had to pay anyone to do anything, and he was always helping church members, relatives, and neighbors with their home projects. I've sat by Jerry next to the computer over the past few years here in Lafayette, viewing his accounting system that tracks all of his expenditures. Talk about detailing every last penny. Jerry was amazing with his stewardship of God's money and was very generous. I learned from Diane this week, we've been here since Saturday, that he's been going up from the 10% tithe by another percentage point per year for many years now. We have been the recipients of his generosity when we were in full-time ministry and even since getting off the road. But beyond tithing to his local church, he has given to countless Christ-honoring causes and those in full-time ministry. Christ talked about laying up treasures in heaven, and that's truly what Jerry's focused on financially all these years. Beyond his incredible work ethic, ability to save money, his wide stewardship of God's money, and his generous spirit of giving, he was great at all his interpersonal roles. Son, brother, husband, dad, grandpa, uncle, brother-in-law, cousin, a close close friend to brothers and sisters in Christ, many of you in this room, and a friend to unsaved neighbors and work associates. He loved his two brothers, eight sisters, their mates, and his 38 nieces and nephews. Big family. And he also showed great affection for Donna and me and our four children, their mates, and our 11 grandkids. One of Jerry's favorite activities was helping Diane host guests in their home. Diane is famous for preparing delicious meals. By a raise of hands, how many have had one of Diane's meals? Look around, Diane, look around. About half the congregation have been in your home. And uh, Jerry was a perfect host didn't help with the cooking, but he was a perfect host. (laughs) That wasn't in my notes. I just put that in. They had friends from church over for Sunday dinner almost weekly. He was fun-loving and funny, and the funniest thing he did was attempting to tell jokes and forgetting the punchline, which has already been said. Diane showed us their guest books that they have kept from every place they've lived through the years, and it's amazing how many people have stayed in their home or eaten at their home. I could go on and on with many more character traits, but let me close with this: his love for the things of God, which included his love for preachers, church services, the people of God, and great Christian music. Having been in the ministry himself in the early years of their marriage, Jerry had a great love and respect for people in the ministry and was very faithful with Diane to every church service unless providentially hindered. Every time Don and I were with Jerry and Diane, we always sang hymns, and gospel songs together, Jerry would get out his saxophone and harmonica. He wouldn't play them at the same time. But, and I would play my guitar, and we both played by ear. So we would play for an hour or more, just song after song. There are so many things we don't know about heaven. But if there are musical instruments there, I'm sure Jerry will have a gold-plated saxophone and harmonica. In the last several years, many don't know this, but Jerry began writing original Christian music, and learned how to play the piano so he could use the Finale Music Writer Program to write out the music for the dozens and dozens of songs that were being born in his heart. Jerry was always a singer until recent years, and he and Diane sang beautifully, which you heard this morning. Amen? was not that a blessing? And I'm sure he's in full voice today. Jerry, I'm speaking on behalf of everyone present when I say, we love you dearly. We'll miss you greatly, and we're eagerly awaiting the rapture so we can all be reunited again. Thank you for letting us see Jesus in you. Would you turn with me, please, to 144, or the words will be on the screen. I need to say something about the song before we, before we sing it. Day by Day, again, maybe not a traditional funeral song, but a very very favorite song of Diane and Jerry's. Let me read to you what Diane wrote about this song. Diane asked their church organist for a book of wedding songs to find one to sing to each other at their wedding. She loved the words to a song called A Song of Dedication, but did not read music well to get the melody. Day by Day came to her mind Sang it to see if the words would fit, and they did to one of her favorite hymns. The middle verse is the one that they sang on their wedding day. So, would you stand with me, please, as we sing this song? Worried word about my nephew. I know he doesn't want me to, but I will anyway. Uh, the work he's put in this week has been absolutely amazing. Hours and hours of preparation, and I thank God for him. And uh, I thank God for the children that God's blessed us with and my sister with. And I uh, thank God for a godly nephew who loves the Lord, and I'm sure he'll be a blessing to you.
4: I would just echo my uncle's thankfulness to have all of you here today. It's good to see loved ones and people that I know love my dad. This could be ugly. I don't cry much, but when I do, it doesn't stop, so (laughs) hang in there, all right? As you can imagine, heaven has been on my mind a lot lately. Even before my dad passed away, actually, I started reading a book several months ago called Heaven by Randy Alcorn. I'd made it about halfway through the book, but I got busy and I set the book aside and I never really got back around to finishing it. And then last Friday, at 3 30 at in the morning, I got that wake up call you never want to receive Jeremy, this is mom. Your dad's had a heart attack. He's on his way to the ER. And just like that, everything changed. My father, the man who from my birth had always been there for me, was gone. The next day, or the day after, I'm not really sure when, the days sort of blurred together there, I posted this picture on my Facebook page along with these words, This picture says everything that needs to be said about my dad. I don't know what you see when you look at that picture, but I'd like to share with you some of the things that I see. I see, first of all, a man who provided well for his family. Dad worked extremely hard to make sure we always had food in our bellies and clothes on our backs. In the obituary printed on the back of your program, you can see the number of jobs that Dad held over his life. Not all of those jobs were jobs that he did because he loved the work. Most of them were, but not all of them. Some of them he did simply because he loved his family and was willing to do whatever was needed to provide for their needs. Most importantly, however, Dad pointed us to the one who would always supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I remember when we were living in Casper, Wyoming, when I was in second grade, I remember Dad sitting us down one evening to explain that our car needed new tires, but that we didn't have the money to buy those, and so we needed to pray and ask the Lord to provide. And so, as was our custom in our evening devotions, we prayed And providentially, before we had even finished praying, the phone rang, and someone from our church was on the line saying that they had some tires that they would like to give us if they would fit our vehicle, and they did. But what a gift to learn at that young age what a godly provider looks like. One who, to use the old adage, always did his best, and then trusted God with the rest. Second, I see a man who loved his family with his entire being. My dad loved me, and I knew it. And while this adoring, angelic smile that you see on his face right there might not have always been the default way in which my dad communicated his love to me, yeah, you know as well as I do, my dad had a gruff side to him. It's, um, as my wife put it, puts it, my dad was like a deep-fried jelly donut.
5: <laughs>
4: All crackly, crunchy on the outside and super ooey-gooey on the inside. So yes, he didn't always express himself with smiles, but never once in my entire life did I ever have to wonder, does my dad love me? Now, if you know my dad well you know that he was a lot better at giving love than he was receiving it. And for as long as I can remember, my brother Johnny and I have, how shall I put this? We have overly enjoyed (laughs) tormenting my dad by kissing him as publicly as possible every chance we got. And my dad did not like that well. He says he didn't like it, but I knew he really did like it. Oh, yeah, and we'd also get our cousins to join in whenever they felt (laughs) glad to do so, too. I mean, look at that picture. How much more vector can you get than that? And if you're not a vector, let me explain that to you. That means doing something just to get a reaction out of somebody. Oh, man, you should have heard my grandpa Hank Vector laugh whenever he saw us trying to kiss my dad like that. I wish you could have heard his laugh. It was a good one. It was a vector laugh for sure. Finally, for one of Dad's birthdays, I just went ahead and memorialized the tradition by giving him a plaque made with this photo and these words, Some men don't know how to give love, others just don't know how to take it. (laughs) And undoubtedly, my proudest achievement as a father, or if we're being honest, maybe just as a vector, in the terms we were speaking of before, was to pass on this tradition to my sons. And if pictures are worth a thousand words, well then videos are priceless. Grandpa
5: Grandpa give him a kiss.
4: Oh, Grandpa. Oh. This has been an emotional time.
2: I appreciate,
5: I appreciate. Wait, 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 I haven't got
2: it yet. Well, really?
5: Oh, come on now. Okay, Okay. well, that's great, guys.
2: Alright, guys. Say goodnight.
4: I don't know if you could hear what he was saying, the oh, really to, but that was to Mom saying, wait, wait, I haven't got the picture yet. Oh, really? I'm so thankful that this is one of the last pictures we have with my dad taken this past Thanksgiving when we celebrated my dad's birthday for the last time. But what a gift to know that you're loved. I know that's not every child's experience, and so I'm extremely grateful that my earthly father reflected the love of our Heavenly Father when he promised David, I will be your father and you will be my son and my love will never be taken away from you. Third and last, I see a man who sacrificially served his family. In this picture, if you look closely down in the bottom left-hand corner, you can see my mom's arm in the foreground. My dad was there giving my mom a break, feeding me. You know, some fathers are hand-off, hands-off when it comes to the mundane tasks inherent in raising children, feeding them, changing diapers, playing with them, disciplining them, et cetera, et cetera. But my dad was always willing to help out my mom and sacrifice his time to help her. In fact, when my mom got sick and had to stop working for a time, Dad was willing to give up one of those jobs that he absolutely loved, teaching sixth grade up in Watertown at Calvary, and take a job that he didn't really love, but that he knew would help pay the bills during that time. He was always willing to sacrifice his free time to spend time playing football in the backyard with me and my brother when we were younger, and of course, playing basketball in the driveway when we were older for hours and hours on end. But of course, he didn't just serve his immediate family. He served his neighbors and friends. This neighbor's here today. Where are you, Ron? Dan, Dan, I'm sorry. Oh, he's not here anymore. He came by earlier. His extended family, his church, people he had known all of his life, people he had just met, it didn't matter, he loved to serve others. In fact, I would like to do this. If Dad ever served you, not because he had to or because he was getting paid for it, if he served you, would you raise your hand up, please? Exactly. Exactly. I mentioned at the very beginning of my tribute that I had started reading the book Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Well, after Dad passed away, I had not surprisingly returned to that book And one of the first things I read upon recommencing it was this excerpt from the chapter entitled, How Will We Rule God's Kingdom? Alcorn writes, Should we be excited that God will reward us by making us rulers in his kingdom? Absolutely. Jesus said, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. God will choose who reigns as king's. And I think some great surprises are in store for us. Christ gives us clues in scripture as to the type of person he will choose. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Look around you to see the meek and the humble. They may include street sweepers, locksmiths, stay-at-home moms, assistants, bus drivers. He actually puts that in there. Alcorn concludes with this story. I once gave one of my books to a delightful bellman. I discovered he was a committed Christian He said he'd been praying for our group, which was holding a conference at the hotel. Later, I gave him a little gift, a rough wooden cross. He seemed stunned, overwhelmed. With tears in his eyes, he said, you didn't need to do that. I'm only a bellman. And the moment he said that, I realized this brother had spent his life serving. It will likely be someone like him that I'll have the privilege of serving under in God's kingdom. He was only a bellman who spoke with warmth and love, who served, who quietly prayed in the background for the success of a conference in his hotel. I saw Jesus in that bellman, and there was no only about him. Who will be the kings of the new earth? I think that bellman, or in my dad's case, the bus driver, will be one of them and I will be honored to carry his bags. In closing, I thought it would be appropriate for dad to share his thoughts with us on heaven. So this is a song that he wrote for his mom's funeral called That Place Called Home. to advance them manually with the script there, okay? was from my parents' 50th anniversary surprise reunion. My last thought is, do you know why we love reunions so much? Fellowships, gatherings, do you know why? Because like so many other things in this life, they are these infinitesimal examples, these tiny little windows that give us just the haziest of glimpses into what heaven is going to be really like.
0: Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate that so very much, as well as Doug and his tribute and Emily and Lee. Uh, What a blessing already. Uh, I feel inadequate to stand before you and to think about the life of Jerry Pector. Brought back a lot of memories of my dad. Thankful. So very thankful for a Christian home. Praise the Lord. I want to take just a few minutes and draw our attention to the word of God, God's holy word. Jerry loved the word of God. That was evident from the uh, earliest days that uh, we first moved to Lafayette or even got to know them there in their home. Jerry loved the scriptures. I want to draw our attention to this very topic that Jeremy just brought up. Heaven, heaven, heaven. We see in John 14 and verses 1 through 3 that heaven is a prepared place. Heaven is a prepared place. Jesus said to his disciples, his apostles, as he is nearing the end of his earthly ministry here on this planet earth as the God man, the Son of God, God incarnate, he is preparing his disciples for his death, burial, resurrection Thomas, one of the disciples, one of the apostles, saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Heaven is a prepared place. It's a prepared place for a prepared people. Jesus said in John 14 in verse number 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jerry's in heaven today because he went the one and only way through Jesus Christ. As he confessed his sins that day at Camp Shatek? as he called upon the Lord in repentance and faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection, of Jesus Christ he was gloriously saved he in a sense punched his ticket to heaven through the one and only way Jesus Christ heaven is a prepared place but also heaven is a pure place heaven is a pure place We read in Revelation 21 in verse number three, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Back in Isaiah in chapter number six, Isaiah saw God high and lifted up and he cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. Heaven is a holy place, a pure place, because God is holy. So, therefore, we have to understand the truth regarding heaven. How do sinners then enter into a pure place? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well we read in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 17 that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Doug made a reference to the rapture a few moments ago. 1 Thessalonians 4 speaks of the rapture. There is a group of people, those who are dead in Christ and those who are alive in Christ will be caught up together on that great resurrection day at the rapture. Philippians 1 and verse 21, the Apostle Paul said, For for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul was experiencing that tension that we experience as believers. Having a desire to remain and to continue to love and to serve and, and to be used of the Lord. But also we know that to die is gain to gain heaven, to enter into the presence of the Lord. Luke 23 and verse 43, And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Who was Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to that thief on the cross next to him, who earlier had been mocking him, who then came under conviction, realizing that he, as a thief, deserved to die Jesus, as the innocent, pure, holy Son of God, did not deserve to die, but was dying on behalf of the sins of the world. And he personalized that day as he trusted Christ, and he said, Today, Jesus responded as the thief cried out to Jesus, Remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus answered with that verse we just read, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me. In paradise. I don't know about you, but I have yet to find paradise here on this earth. There might be a town somewhere, somewhere in the United States called paradise or around the world, but I've yet to find paradise. There's been some great places and there's wonderful places like home where God gives us a little bit of taste of heaven on earth. As we were reminded of these family reunions, these family gatherings and how they are a taste of what will one day we experience in heaven. Revelation 22 and verse 3, and there shall be no more curse. Speaking of the glories of heaven, the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, in Revelation 22 and verse 3, and there shall be no more curse. As believers, we long for that day when there will be no more sorrow, no more death, no more crying, no more curse, no more sin, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. Heaven is a prepared place. It is a pure place, a place of the very personal presence of God in a place in the perfect state of sinlessness. Without getting too theological here, again, I bring us back to Revelation 22 and verse 3, and there shall be no more curse. Who broke the curse of sin? who broke the sting of sin in the grave? It was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ broke that curse. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 reminds us near the end of the chapter, a great chapter on the resurrection. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There shall be no more curse. We know from Philippians 3 and verse number 9 that for us as sinners to enter into the pure place, heaven, in God's very presence, we must be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Philippians 3 and verse 9, and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul is saying if anybody could earn their way to heaven, it'd be me. Paul said, I am Hebrew of the Hebrews, born of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law. He was zealous for what he believed to be, the truth, and even persecuting Early believers, Christians. And Paul said, if anybody, if anybody could earn their way to heaven, if anybody had the pedigree, if anybody had the works, if anybody had the education, it would be me. But Paul said, be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ or faith in Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. We must be clothed in his righteousness to enter into the presence of God in that pure place called heaven. Galatians 2 and verse 16, not only clothed in his righteousness, but placed in Christ that day that Jerry Venture got saved there at Camp Shatek. He was clothed in the righteousness of Christ and he was placed in Christ by the Holy Spirit. We sometimes refer to it as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 2 and verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Declare not guilty. Justified. Declared not guilty. And not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Jerry didn't depend on his upbringing. He didn't depend on his good efforts. Jerry didn't say, well, my mom and dad were good Christians and we've lived a good moral life. No, Jerry, that night he realized as he heard that sermon, as the gospel was declared, as he clutched that seat, Jerry realized he couldn't get to heaven on his own. He couldn't enter into that pure place of heaven and defile heaven. God wouldn't let him in. It was not by his works of righteousness which he had done. He depended upon the mercy of God. He came to Christ in faith. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Jerry received that gift of God that night as he placed his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ, confessing his sins, and he was placed in Christ. So clothed in Christ's righteousness, placed in Christ, he can now, as we speak, absent from the body, he is present with the Lord. Absent of sin. We also know that this pure place, a place of, perfect, of, of perfection, of sinlessness, whose citizens are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, placed in Christ, and we're reminded again of the forgiveness, the justification, and the redemption that is found in Jesus Christ. Titus three, in verses five through seven, as I quoted just a. A little bit of this a few moments ago, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Jerry is no longer going to have a sin-cursed body. He used to joke about his false teeth. The last time that he was able to play here was at a pastor's fellowship, and he came up, and I think it actually might have been the following Sunday, even he he played or about that same time with another one of our church members, and he he said, I wish I I could play like I used to, something to that effect. And he he said he didn't have quite the breath that he used to have, and he, he didn't have the teeth he used to have. All that's changed. No more pain in the back. No more loss of breath. He was a hard worker. He toiled. He came out here. He and Diane came faithfully, regularly, and took care of our little garden. And he said, I looked up on YouTube how to take care of rose bushes. He said they were a mess when we first started coming out. And he he said he read or he watched a YouTube video or something. And he said he was told to just come and to just thrash them. In order for the roses to come back well, you had to just purge them, prune them. And that's what he did. So we drove up one Sunday, and I kind of looked, and they were thrashed. (laughs) They had been pruned, but they came back full of bloom. And sometimes God has to prune us and purge us and thrash us, so to speak. As an unsaved person, it's God's way of drawing us to himself, to Help us to see him for a saved person. It may be chastening. It may just be a time of suffering, a time of trial, a time of tribulation that we have to consider to count it all joy. You know, Jerry and Diane, they faithfully served the Lord. They loved God all their days. Were they absent of trials and tribulations? No. They had their fair share of suffering. But you know what? They always looked to the Lord. Testimony after testimony, example of example, even in the early years, not even having the money for tires and God provided. And I see tonight, this afternoon, this morning, I see a family that a mom and dad pointed their children to the Lord. When the hard times came, when the difficulties came, they turned to the Christ that saved them. And they turned their children's and their grandchildren's eyes and hearts to the Lord heaven a prepared place a pure place Jerry's there clothed in Christ's righteousness having been placed in Christ having been forgiven justified redeemed awaiting that resurrection day when his current body will be reunited with his soul his spirit that is with God right now and together in their glorified state they will be in the presence of God forever forever We know that Jerry's body is not here with us. We know that uh, it has its place. But we're not concerned right now about Jerry's body. We know that his soul, his spirit is in heaven in the presence of God, absent from the body, present with the Lord, looking forward to that great redemption day when soul and spirit, body and soul and spirit will be joined together once again. And this corruptible will have put on incorruption. And for all who know Christ as their Savior, we will join with Jerry that day, that great resurrection day. And we'll enter into that prepared place. We'll enter into that pure place. And then in that prepared and pure place, there will be praise to the Lord. Praise to the Lord. Revelation Chapter number five, Revelation chapter number five. I know this is a choir that is still to come. There was mention of Jerry one day, and he mentioned he said he wishes that he had his voice of yesteryear. He said he wishes he could sing like he used to. I know he would say that sometimes, and Diane would express that. That voice will be back for this choir described in Revelation chapter number five. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders, the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, to receive power and riches, and wisdom and strength, and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever. For all of us who know Christ as our Savior will be in that multitude in that glorious day, saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Psalm 16 and verse 11 Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jerry has entered into that pure place, that prepared place, having already begun to sing the praises of God. For those who know Christ as their Savior will join with him one day, will be in that multitude, will be in that heavenly choir, and we will, with Jerry, enjoy the pleasures of heaven forevermore. Finally, today, not only is heaven a prepared place for a prepared people, a pure place, but finally it is a permanent place. A permanent place. Heaven is eternal. Eternal. For God so loved the world, John 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 4 and verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into ever lasting life everywhere we go in life things run out subscriptions run out our cars break down our homes get old and our cars get rusty our bodies wear out everything has a temporary aspect to it doesn't doesn't it but heaven does not the grace of god will never expire The grace of God will never run out. The mercy of God is forever. For those who know him as their Savior, there is not a short-term or a temporary free trial of heaven. For those who know Christ as their Savior, upon entering into heaven's glory by rapture or by death, together on that resurrection day, we will enter into heaven's glory forever. And the grace of God will not run out. The mercy of God will be everlasting. Those that thirsted here on this earth for the living water, when they drink of the water of life that comes only through Jesus Christ, their thirst will be quenched forever. As we sing amazing grace, when we've been there 10,000 years. You ever sung that song and changed it? When we've been there 10 trillion years, bright shining as the sun. Well, there'll be no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Revelation 21 and verse number six. I close with Revelation chapter 21 and verse number six. And he said unto me, it is done. I am the Alpha and Omega the beginning, and the end. We know that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jerry trusted Christ as his Savior that day, that night there at Camp Shatek. In a sense, his eternal life began, in a sense, that day. He has now entered into the presence of God, awaiting the resurrection day of all believers and the uniting of his body, soul, and spirit. And... He is now, as we know from the word of God and the promise of God's word, though absent from the body, present with the Lord. But Christ has assured that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jerry's in the presence of the Lord today. He is with the author and the finisher, the completer of his faith. We rejoice, we sorrow, but not as those without hope. We sorrow today, we grieve. I love what was said in the program, though we are grieving, though we are sorrowing, and though we will miss Jerry for a long time, we will not miss him forever. I know the heart of Diane, the heart of Jerry, if you are here today and you don't know Christ as your, as your Savior, today can be your day of salvation. You can turn from your sins, call upon the Lord like Jerry did those many years ago and receive Christ as your Savior. And one day you too will be with Jerry in glory forever. Heaven, a prepared place for a prepared people, a pure place and a permanent place. We're thankful that Jerry is there and for those who know Christ as their Savior, we will join with him. Won't you join with us as well? If you don't know Christ, I know that would be their heart's desire that you too receive Christ as your Savior. Call upon him and be saved today. Let's bow for prayer. Lord, we are so thankful for the testimony of Brother Jerry. Lord, what an influence, what an impact he has had on so many lives. Lord, we have maybe learned things today that we didn't know about our beloved friend or loved one, brother, sister, whoever is the relationship, Lord. There's things we maybe didn't know about Jerry. But Lord, we know that he sought to glorify his savior. That whether he ate or drank or whatever he did, he did all to the glory of God. And we're so thankful for that testimony, for that legacy that he has left. Pray that, Lord, you'll continue to be with Diane in a very special way. Lord, we pray that she will experience your comfort and your consolation. And, Lord, you will continue to draw her close to you and give her your peace. Pray for Jeremy, for John, for the entire family. Lord, just continue to minister to them, to the, their spouses, to their kids, to the, the grandchildren. Just pray that, Lord, you will just draw them all so very close to you. Again, we thank you for so many family and friends who have come alongside and who have been here in love and support for Diane and for the family. We just, Lord, give you the glory, and we, Lord, are so thankful for saving, for your salvation, saving Jerry, and then for allowing him by your grace and by your strength and for your glory to leave such a powerful testimony and such a legacy of your goodness your praise and to your glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, if we can help you in any way, I know we're about to have a family meal, and there's uh, several of the family who are going to be able to stay for that meal. There's several invited guests. You uh, have probably received that invitation. If you are uh, able to join us, um, you're welcome to do so across the hall there in the fellowship hall. So the family will uh, be dismissed in just a moment. We're going to allow for, uh, from the back, uh, coming down through from the front to the front here, if you would dismiss from the back row and then out um, toward the back. If you are staying for uh, the family meal or if you are one of the invited guests, that will be um, across the hall there in the fellowship hall in uh, just a few moments. But we thank you so much for your presence and for your comfort your words of kindness and comfort and consolation and for the blessing that you have been to the Vegter family. Again, if we can help you in some way, please let us know and uh, we thank you again for your presence here today. We're going to ask now if the last row, if you'll uh, dismiss and come down and uh, you can dismiss here and across and then back up uh, to uh, the back of the auditorium and then the meal will follow in just uh, a short time. Thank you again for your, your presence here today.